It is a chilled Wednesday morning where I am, and I am in a good mood. I was listening to another podcast this morning when I heard a fellow, a guest star who's a content creator, uh, introduce himself by saying he got into the hobby six years, seven years ago, took some time off and came back, and I don't know, it just made me happy. My first thought was, who seven years, your first was my 20th, but... My next thought was, it's exciting that the hobby is drawing people in who are here to stay. Or, here to stay, I hope. Anyway, this episode got a bunch of listener feedback and 20 minutes of call-ins. So, welcome back to Cleric's Way of Ringmail. Calling in Norton here. I haven't listened to your call-in segment yet, but I was able to squeeze in the first part. Luckily, the Healing Potion Bloat doesn't affect me a whole lot since I play older editions. I had, but the Healbot stereotype definitely pervades Dungeon Crawl Classics, which is a game I play. Since healing in effectively, well, almost unlimited healing is an automatic built-in thing for clerics in that game. Dungeon Crawl Classics, of course, does a nice thing that if people of different alignments, the healing is less effective on, and then also your your deity can get angry at you for healing too much, and that's kind of built in the rules as well, which is nice. But Dungeon Crawl Classics definitely takes that heal bot mentality and incorporates it in into itself, which is understandable since it's to some degree based off of the 3.0 engine. So anyhow, I'll listen to your calls later today. Take care. Thank you for calling in, Jason, and you are absolutely right. DCC does have a lot more ready access to healing than uh, other games that fall into the old-school and old-school-adjacent kind of setup. And part of that is definitely 3.5 related, because you do have the three saves instead of five, Ascending Armor Class and other 3E and onwards additions. But also, you think about the purpose of the game. And this is partially true with 3.5 and 3E, but definitely true with 4E and with DCC. The point of the game is not necessarily exploration. The point of the game is combat. In 3rd edition, that's when they did away with treasure for XP. That's when they went into primary source of XP is monsters. With DCC, experience is abstracted. You le- you level at like 100 XP, and uh, the exact verbiage is it's simplified, and if a referee wants, or a judge, wants to, quote, use more fiddly systems, they're welcome to bolt them on. But the way you get XP is secondary, is supplemental to the core in DCC. Take a look at your magic users. The wizards have very flashy, very explosive spells. And take a look at your fighters. They have a D12 hit die, and the deed die that they get is very versatile. And the 
crit tables. I could talk about the, the thief and the backstab, but this is even more evidenced by the crit tables. For those of you who aren't familiar with DCC, one of its big selling points is that it has a whole bunch of fiddly tables that are kind of fun to go through. For me, if you have an app, but other people like flipping. There are a dozen different tables of critical hit effects, and the die you roll, as well as the table you roll it on, is dependent on your class and your level. They devote easily, easily 50 pages in, in the rulebook to critical hits. Why would you do that unless you intend to hit them with some degree of regularity? Knowing that, knowing that DCC is a very combat-oriented game, having a lot of healing makes sense. It's actually embraced the first problem that I had with ample healing, and that was a hyper-focus on combat. It's a design decision in that sense. It makes sense for DCC. Hey Taylor, so I finished your call-ins. Um, are you going to break to Carl, or do I have to... You can... Mothership and Star Frontiers are not OSR. Uh, thank you. Star Frontiers is old school, and Mothership is, I, I guess, indie is where that would fall, right? Which, neither is a bad thing by any means. And both are, are kind of interesting games. I, I'm more drawn to Star Frontiers. I kind of like... Um, stay frosty more than mothership myself but there's nothing wrong in mothership but yeah osr it's not unfortunately but that's probably just me being pedantic so play the games you like enjoy them and you can do no wrong take care to speak to mothership and frosty um i have not played either though i would not be averse to trying I remember you and I had talked about Stay Frosty, and I think it was the doom of RPGs, and I was very excited by some of the stuff that was in it. So, that's on my back burner for a uh, eventual, when I get to run games with impunity again, or play, for that matter. But in the meantime, I will have to stick with other folks telling me about their experiences. You know, it's weird. As much as I like science fiction... I was big into Star Wars, really enjoyed Star Trek, even the the new ones that came out. I was big into the sci-fi channel, the classic sci-fi channel, that is, before it turned into whatever it turned into, the Farscape, Stargate, SG-1, those kind of shows. Great shows. As much as I was into them, I never really got into sci-fi gaming. Not sure, not sure why, I just, the... The allure for me was always in the fantasy and sword and sorcery kind of sphere. I always thought it might be cool to do a sword and planet almost where you have, I don't know if sword and planet is the right term to use, where you have starships and magic in the same setting, but I never really got to do that. And eh, who knows, maybe, maybe again one of these days. Thank you, Jason, for your pair of call-ins. Thank you for listening through. and. Love hearing from you. Hey, Taylor, this is Randy from Biggest Geekus. I uh, just finished listening to your I Hate Health Potions. Um, I thought that was really good. I've kind of taken a hiatus from commenting too much recently on podcasts. I need to get back on it, but that's definitely thought-provoking. I think you made an interesting argument for the cleric not being a heel bot. Um... I don't know if health potions are, I think making them 
scarcer is probably a good idea. I think I agree with you. I got a lot of thinking to do um, on that idea. But anyway, uh, happy holidays and good job. Take care, man. Bye. Exactly. Scarcity is the key. As most of the folks who were listening figured out, the title was a little bit clickbait and the anger that I was putting on regarding health potions in other people's games was kind of a humor or intended to be because, I mean, who who gets mad at what other people play when you don't have to play with them? But anyway, I digress. The important part, scarcity is the key. And if you have healing in a game, that's good because it gets you back in the action. If you have ample healing in the game, that's when it's the problem. That's when it turns the nature of the game on its head. Combat takes over as your primary driver. And your cleric falls into the aforementioned category. Rob, over at Down in the Heap, uh, he did not call this in, but I'm going to uh, paraphrase him from the audio dungeon. Rob mentioned that in his AD&D experience, the cleric turned into a healbot after they got out of the dungeon. And what do we mean by that? Well, AD&D had a little bit of hit point bloat where, you know, the fighter got a D10, you were rolling 46 drop one for your stats and all that jazz. But the cleric also got some extra spells. They were not enough spells to turn a combat fist, so you only got three or four at low level, but still that's a lot more than in BX. So with those three or four spells, you're able to kind of bring people back from the brink and put enough back in them to get out of the dungeon after you'd spent you'd spent your... Okay. I'm trying to think of a phrase other than blow your... Failing. Anyway... After you blew your you would get out of the dungeon, you would spend the next couple weeks healing up, unless you had your healing spells. Your cleric could get the party back on their feet in a matter of days, instead of a matter of weeks, occasionally, coming back from one hit point at a time, which is the default rate of healing in AD&D, first edition. I did not ask him if I could publish this, or if he wanted to remain nameless, Well, I'm not going to publish this right away. I could probably ask him in the meantime. Nah. But he did. I wanted to bring in his point because it's a good one. The AD&D cleric gets more healing, but it's still scarce enough that it doesn't change the focus of the game. It doesn't make AD&D into the DCC of 1979. By maintaining the relative scarcity, you preserve the spirit of the game and of the class. So, with that in mind, health potions in moderation are perfectly acceptable, and in my game, you will occasionally come across one. One. Thanks for calling in, my man. Delvon. Hey, Taylor. An interesting alternative, if you don't like healing potions, and this comes from inspiration from some literature, by the way, I don't know if you have cats, but my particular cat loves to like get on my nightstand and knock everything over. Anyway, there's this group of books called Guardians of the Flame. I got it way back in the science fiction book club because it looked interesting. But um, there are these guys from Our Earth who went over by Joel Rosenberg. These guys from Our Earth who went over to a fantasy world and then 
There are healing potions galore, but what happened is they became addicted to healing potions so they could not normally naturally heal. So that'd be interesting to implement that consequence. That sure, if you you know, drink the juice, um, there are consequences, and then your normal rate of healing slows down. Could be cool, maybe. That is indeed cool, and that is a way to make the player think about whether they want to take that healing potion or not. I think I got a comment on a, it was either Discord or MeWe, uh, where someone else had suggested the same thing. And they, I want to say there was a game involved too. There was a game that took that mechanic and applied it. I, I'd have to get back on social media and check out my older notifications to get back to you on what it was. But definitely a spooky concept. Uh, drink too many of these and you'll stop healing on your own. And, I don't know if that would necessarily stop a player per se, because they have the they have the ability to have a cleric buddy or the access to those potions. But in in real, if you're role playing the character, that'd be something that'd be scary as sin for me. I would not want to be taking something that would compromise my ability to recover. Um, that said, it's got it's got some. That said. It's also got some basis in reality. There are a lot of drugs that the physician will not prescribe unless they need to because they don't want your body to become reliant. So I think the one that comes to mind was testosterone. When I was younger, there were some folks who were you know, trying to beef up and they were dropping testosterone supplements, but they were, you're not supposed to do that. And at the time, I don't know how true this is, uh, I could probably ask, but it's more fun to just spout off. Your body forgets how to make it, so there's an equilibrium that your body tries to get to, not necessarily, so you're not necessarily gaining anything uh, from the artificial, the artificial stuff, which is best left used at a physician's discretion. So very, very interesting food for thought. Thank you very much for calling in, and good luck with the kitty cat. I hate to say it, but this is why dogs are just better. Again, love hearing your voice, my man. Talk to you soon. Hello, Taylor, the whispering GM. Here is Jason from Random Screed. I must say, I have always espoused the ludicrousy, the ludicrousy, the ludicrousy. It's just plain stupid. Clerics are dumb. Thieves are dumb. Fighters and magic users. That's all it should be. But as far as healing potions go, they're dumb too. The whole idea of healing in general is ridiculous. I know, right? I've made it into my 30s, and I'll be honest, hearing about a character that heals from injuries, that just breaks my verisimilitude. All it does is remove the utility of one of the characters and then puts them around trying to keep a fight going that is already a losing proposition. It, it, in my opinion, it, that's what turns fights into a grind. They should be fast, hard-hitting, and done as soon as possible. But anyway, decent show, brother. Have a good one. Fighting man and magic user.
that's how it worked in the fantasy trip, I think, wasn't it? Uh, just one, two booklets, uh, Melee and Magic. I don't have a uh, mechanism to look it up at the moment in the car, but that's what I seem to remember. But in a serious tone, you do bring up an interesting proposition, a game without healing, or at least without healing in the dungeon. One of the consistent themes that's going on in some of the circles that I'm in is talk about eliminating the cleric or removing the cleric. Most of the arguments are around some of the cleric problems, which is the same as the paladin problem in a way. Either you're on board with what the cleric and their deity are doing, or there's going to be internecine conflict. Some of them focus on the hit point problem, where it's an abstraction, but it's not, and I'm at 100% until I'm dead. Because we're in older editions, the hit point bloat doesn't come up as much, but that's a real thing if you're playing newer editions. Now, rewind a couple years. When I first came into the fold, uh, that is, the communities online that both share my interests and that I can actually play games with, I was fascinated with the idea of the original D&D. I had read Iron Falcon, uh, I had found out that I could download Swords and Wizardry, but when I saw those it was like, this is the same game. At the end of the day, isn't that what the original OSR was about? It was about maintaining a compatibility with editions that catered to a particular playstyle. Not arguing about where it is now, but I had gotten this impression, based on some conversation around it, that OD&D was a different bear. It is different in a lot of ways, but fundamentally, it felt like it was the same game. Uh, a comparison, a good comparison has been drawn between the LBB plus Greyhawk and BX, they just fit together. It, fe it feels like, with the exception of the racist class, it's very close to the same game. That changes when you bring in Chainmail. When I saw Chainmail references in the original, well, or in PDFs of the original Men and Magic, I needed to learn more. That was, that was the difference. That was going to be the original game, the zen of why it's different. Credit to Daniel Norton uh, over at Bandit's Keep. He's driving a lot of interest in Chainmail, and he's got his hack that he's putting out both for the OD&D compliant and for the new sword and sorcery stuff, but the sword and sorcery stuff is more appealing to me, and I'll get into why. With the OD&D hack, and with every other edition, hit points. The thing about Chainmail, Chainmail without the fantasy supplement, well, with it, but without the OD&D part, it was a war game. A hit was a kill. It took a miniature off the table. Was that dude dead? Or was he injured? Will he come back? It doesn't matter. It's a war game. Uh, it's not important. You just take the miniature off the field and move on with the rest of the dudes. In a role-playing game, that's a little different. You need a mechanism to wind down, or you have to, is my character dead, or does my character come back? That mechanism was hit points, and this 0 to 100 abstraction. If I'm at full hit points, if I'm at 1 hit points, there's no difference. That's a gamist abstraction. It's the same on or off that the chainmail death or alive has, and they did it on purpose. They did it because they didn't want the death spiral. If I get hit once, I'm likely to get hit again, and so I become less and less effective over time. Effectively, that happens in a lot of games because as the player loses hit points, they realize they're closer and closer to death and they want to retreat, but there's no mechanical incentive. In all the chainmail games I've seen or uh, referenced, a lot of them 
yeah, pretty much all of them still use hit points. So if a hit is scored, they reduce the hit points. But, and this is where my own hack differs, when I read Chainmail, I didn't see cumulative hits on the hero. I saw concurrent. When I first started talking about this, I thought about hit points as part of the ACS, not part of the Chainmail combat. The Chainmail combat was up or down, and you needed, as a hero or superhero, a number of concurrent hits in a turn to take you out. This idea was greeted with great fanfare. A nice long list of people were complimenting me with, Hey, f you're an imbecile. It was always this, supposed to be this way. But it doesn't have to be. And that was the enlightening point for me. And I think that ties into what you're talking about. You want this kind of fast, dramatic action to have that excitement, to maintain that excitement, to make the player decisions matter, but to get on with the game. So, what do we do next? Yeah, I, have, I will have to run a chainmail game. It'll probably be next year, but you're on my invite list, buddy, and we'll see how it goes. Thank you, Jason, for calling in, and I appreciate the encouragement. I'm glad it stuck with you. Audience at home, of course, this is uh, Jason of Random Screed, as he said, in whose Kalmata game I play a cleric. Hey Taylor, Daniel from Bandits Keep calling in. Um, I've only listened to the first 45 seconds of your uh, latest podcast, or the one from December 8th, uh, about health potions, and yep, I agree, they are pretty much the worst thing. The only thing that I put in the same category with them, at least personally, well, there may be other things, but off the top of my head, there's two things I do not like, health potions and bags of holding. So I look forward to seeing your reasons uh, and wondering if they line up with my own. I'm straight. Bags of holding because they invalidate the encumbrance system and take away half the fun, half the challenge of hauling treasure out of the dungeon and health potions for the aforementioned reasons. Thank you for calling in. And did my reasons line up with yours? It's like licking to the center of a Tootsie Pop. The world may never know. And that catches us up on the mailbag for today. I want to thank my callers once again. Thank you for calling in, hearing that notification pop up on the Anchor app, and listening to what you guys have to say. It brightens my day every time. For folks who haven't called in and want to get in on the action, just head on over to Anchor, ringmail at anchor.fm, or feel free to reach out to me on email, Twitter, or Blogger, uh, whichever suits your fancy. Google me, ClericsWearRingmail. I should come up. Thank you for listening. Uh, a special thank you for listening today. While I was coming in to edit this, the dashboard on Anchor was telling me that we have passed 1,000 downloads of the podcast. I know that some of my callers and some of my friends who do podcasts have single episodes with 1,000 downloads, but coming in this morning or afternoon, uh, I work in a dark office. It's hard to tell. But popping the Anchor app open and seeing that 1K uh, put a smile on my face. Thank you, listeners, for listening, for downloading, for sticking with me. And thank you, callers, for calling in and making it worth their time. Peace out, everybody. Uh, Merry Christmas. And 
as always, delve on. Theme music used for the Clerics Wearing Mail podcast is adapted from Pursuing Darkness by artist X Take Rux, released into the public domain and made available on freemusicarchive.org. Sound effects used in the making of this product retrieved from Mixkit.co, used under the Mixkit Sound Effects free license, or from SoundJ.com and used in accordance with the SoundJ.com terms of use. Segments recorded within a vehicle are recorded using a Bluetooth hands-free device in conjunction with local vehicular safety legislation. The Clerics Wearing Mail podcast is an independently owned and operated product released for educational and informative purposes under the Totally Steal This license, which is kind of like Creative Commons except licensing. Clerics Wearing Mail does not ascribe to nor endorse views or opinions expressed by call-ins, guests, or even the host unless you think they're awesome, and thus does not assume any liability regarding the consumption or distribution of this podcast. By listening to the Clerics Wearing Mail podcast, you agree to the provided term parties with questions regarding these terms, conditions, or releases are encouraged to reach out to Clerics Wearing Mail at the prescribed methods provided on the Clerics Wearing Mail blog. Parties dissatisfied with these terms, conditions, or releases are encouraged to go suck an egg.